0: Welcome to this podcast, I am going to pat myself on the back for deciding to split up an earlier podcast and get Kyle and Joe their old time, their own time because we had a fantastic visit uh, well beyond. Uh, the initial reason I wanted to have them in. In Joe's case, back after several years, he gets added to a list of mine, which you'll hear about in just a second. Uh, Here to talk about Sunday mornings, Sunday afternoon at noon at the Huntington Center, Battle of the Badges, TFRD versus TPD. But I was so happy, as you'll hear later on in the conversation, as we dive into something that is obviously very near and dear to my heart and very important to these guys, which makes me very happy, and I want to help in any way that I can. Uh, the mental health of people in their profession, which we know can be extremely challenging. Uh, let's get to our discussion now. Thanks for being here. Thanks to Joe and Kyle from TFT for visiting. Gentlemen, welcome. Uh, Joe, good to see you again. As I just mentioned, you get, you get added to the list of it's been an entire pandemic since I've seen you. <laughs>
1: yes, it has. Yes, it has been two years almost.
0: How, do, is Lynn and Google? Yes. Okay. Um, Kyle, what's your last name? Getzinger. Getzinger. Uh, Joe retired from TFD. Kyle still with the program, right?
2: Yep, still active. Thirteen years and strong going.
0: Um, thanks for visiting. We're talking about battle of the badges. This is we have management here. We're gonna conduct a couple of trades. The
2: GM, the assistant GM for, for TFD hockey, right? I'm thinking about putting Joe on waivers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I got a few other options I'm looking at out there, a little higher paying jobs. Uh, I,
0: I mean, it's 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 not baseball money. I mean, Aaron Judge just signed for 340 million dollars. Joe, how much could we get for you in the open market?
1: I think you might get 30 bucks. 30, okay, <laughs> I'll take
2: it. I was thinking a used puck bag. <laughs> Those are like worth 60. Uh, yeah.
0: Joe, good to see you again. I have a question. That that's your daughter, right? Correct. That's your kid. Okay? Yes. Because I remember a couple when you were here a couple of years ago. Um, I think I just knew her kind of through Facebook, and she was a goalie for the BG team, right? Correct. Yes. And then I flipped on BCSN one one night. I'm like. That's your kid. Yep, that's her. Yep. Uh, wait, wait, what's her name again? Kendall. Kendall. Um, she's doing analysis with Matt Melzack, right? She is, yes. Awesome. How many? How, how often is she doing that on the games?
1: Um, there's like five or six that they're in rotations with. So, as a matter of fact, she just had the uh, 10 o'clock game today. Oh, the so, kid's game. Yeah, so about every third or fourth game, she's in the booth. And then when she's not doing that, then she's still working for the organization, Pond Patrol, that kind of stuff. Good.
0: Has she retired from on ice duty?
1: Nope. Um, you know, she's still our backup goalie. Good, 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 good. She actually does a better job than you listen to the
2: commentators on ESPN she she's better than a lot of those
0: I was so happy to see her pop up there one day because, as with everything, I kind of lost touch with so many people during COVID, and I knew she was wrapping up her time at BG, so I was glad she can keep doing what she loves.
1: Yep, yeah, she did all the commentating and the uh, color commentating for uh, the BGs BGSU men's team, so it was just a natural fit, and so she works promotions with the uh, walleye as well. So, and the BG team is really good, right? Uh, They're coming around. (laughs) Um, When she well, when she was playing, we didn't have a lot of games because when she was really getting going. Covid shut everything down, so she only got two or three games, so they really didn't have a chance to develop that much. Sure. So uh, myself and uh, Mike Witten were coaching the the program, and it just everything shut down. We didn't have any games. So last year was their first season back. They did really well, and they're coming on this year. They're they're looking good this year. So yeah, even
0: uh, years back, like in the middle of the decade, I had remember reading about them, and it kind of I think the the thought hit me. Is our best collegiate team in the area, Northwest Ohio, the BG hockey team? And I was like, it might be.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would say so. Yeah, yeah. Especially then the men's team is off the hook. Oh yeah, that's yeah. what I was talking about. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, was, I thought you, meant you were talking about the women's team. No, so. no, 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 I know yeah. they're
0: quite good, but I know the B, the, the men's team is is constantly ranked in some way.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, they're the only
2: they're the only D one men's hockey team in the area. But you know what you got to remember is, and a lot of people forget about it is. Adrian College is D3, and they were the D3 men's national champions last year. I remember that. Remember that. That's great hockey up there.
0: Uh, Let's dig in. We'll come back to some TFD stuff, but we got a hockey game uh, Sunday morning by the time people hear this if they're listening on the radio. The game will be later on this morning. Uh, It's 12 o'clock, Huntington Center, Sunday the 11th, Uh, correct? Correct. Um, Do we want to talk any smack against TPD since they're not here?
1: I'll let Kyle take that one. Kyle, what do you got? (laughs) No cursing. (laughs) No
2: cursing. Oh, well... They're a good squad. They really are. They have a lot of experienced hockey players and a good group of guys over there. Um, It's always a battle. We've gone back and forth the last three times we've played. Uh, but they're holding the trophy right now, and we're trying to take it from them.
1: How and when did this game first start? It actually started. Uh, we've actually had teams for. I started playing with the team back in 2000. At that time, we had a combined squad. So TPD TFD were one combined squad. And in 2011, the Walleye approached us to do a Battle of the Badges, and that's what started splitting the teams. So the actual Battle of the Badges game's been going on since 2011, and we've skyrocketed from there. Both te- both teams have
0: didn't we? Didn't have it the last couple of. Years, what was the setup with COVID?
1: It was, it was uh, our biggest problem was COVID. So we we played in 2019. That's the last time you and I had spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and then twenty twenty, everything was shut down, sure. so we didn't play. Um, we we did play last year, and uh, we didn't really play that well against TPD last year, and that showed. Um, we had a, so much going on with Winterfest. We play, we had Worcester Fire come into town, so we were playing them. So we had a lot going on. So it's an excuse. <laughs> <This> <laughs> Not is, a good one. But this
2: is the this is the eleventh year, but it's the tenth game okay. due to the loss from COVID. So this is the this marks the decade
1: for us and yeah, basically, when it comes down between us and TBD, it's hard to talk smack with those guys because number one, they're very accomplished skaters; they really are, and we're great friends with them. Sure. And I mean, we work with them on the street; we're the brothers with them on the street. On the ice, not so much. It gets pretty ugly out on the ice, but as soon as the game's over, we're all brothers hanging out and having a few beverages afterwards. Oh, together. Ginger ales. Ginger ales. is What's Chief been, has been? Has
0: there been any really bad moments where you had to take somebody's temperature down a little bit and go, "Yo, we're we're, we're brothers here." Uh,
1: that's happened a number <laughs> of times. Uh, mo- almost every game that happens, uh, really, it, it's, it's gone to the gloves being dropped a the, few times. The,
2: the first year we did this, I think it initially, initially it started as just kind of like a uh, a send off for the then retiring police chief Mike Navar, who's now the the sheriff in Lucas yeah. County, um, and it was kind of thought of to just be like a one time thing for the chief celebrate his career. And then we made it into the second year where they started trying to establish it as an annual event, which now we know it's all, we all know it's become. But the second year we played, there was basically a line brawl at the end of the game. (laughs) And funny enough, The third year, the year after the line brawl, we saw attendance skyrocket. (laughs) Now, by skyrocket, I mean, you know, we went from like three, four hundred people to like a thousand. But for us, it was like, holy crap, there's a lot of people here. Oh, well, you know, so and then since then, it's just grown legs.
0: We are such a a hockey city. I think it might have it might have gone viral. I know people around here knew it. It was one of the first Walla games of this year. I think the internet caught a picture, and I don't think it was photoshopped. I believe it was legit. I think the internet caught a picture of a little kid giving a kid on Cincinnati the finger. And <laughs> was like, ah oh, typical Toledo. I'm like, yeah, that's a that's a walleye game. Yeah. They say something after you suck and blank yeah. at right. some of
2: the games. Yeah, Toledo's, Kyle, Toledo's a hockey city. I tell people is. all the time. Everyone knows the world famous Toledo Mud Hens, but Toledo is a hockey city. And you look at uh, even the now Detroit Red Wings head coach, Derek Lalonde. I watched a couple of interviews with him where they went through his career and his time in Toledo and he had nothing but monumental things to say about the Toledo hockey fan base because he said any other market in the ECHL They're getting like 2,000 people a game, maybe. And we're selling out an 8,500 seat stadium.
0: In the playoffs here, and I've been here now a decade, and I've gotten to see some great hockey. I remember staying up late um, in the middle of the week because multiple overtime. We've had some dramatic games, and I wish they could finally, Watson and the team can finish one off. I know they want to. One, I want to know if we would actually get a parade for a championship. Uh, We better. The the crowds we have in that building during the playoffs are as electric as almost any NHL city.
1: Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, last year in April, we were playing in a tournament down in Cincinnati. Uh, It was a police fire hockey tournament down in Cincinnati. And the... While I just happened to be in the playoffs as well against the Cyclones, and they were first playing, round, I think. Yeah, and they were playing in Cincinnati that week that we were down there. So we decided, hey, let's get a suite and watch the game. So we went there, and what was? There was only like seventeen hundred people in the stands for a playoff yeah, game yeah. in Cincinnati, and eight hundred of them were Toledo fans. Yeah, <laughs> their barn's huge
2: too, because initially Cincinnati was an AHL or an IHL franchise, so they have like a fifteen thousand seat barn, and. They did not fill it.
1: Yeah, and the majority of the fans that were there were Toledo Walleye fans. So yeah. that, that would that speaks volumes about the community and how they rally around that team. Um, how many people? How many fans? You will you expect on Sunday, or do you not know? Uh, we really don't know. Um, that, that's one of the reasons we we try to promote the team and promote. Thanks for coming. Promote. Thank us. Thanks for having us. Uh, that that's you know we all we're always trying to build the uh, the t- the game and. Uh, basically what it comes down to is this game is about charity. Yeah. The more people we can put in seats, the more money's going to go to charities, and that's what it's about. Now, for us, the selfish part on our aspect is we get to play in front of a big crowd, and that's exhilarating, but that's all we get out of it. <laughs> So we really don't know what we're going to get. You know, like I said, in 19, we had, I think we were just under 1,700, for the, which was big for us. Sure. And then 20, nothing. And then last year, things just kind of fell together in the last minute, so we didn't really have that many. So we're trying to overcome that it'd this be, year.
2: It'd be really nice to get over 2,000. And, and we do have, believe it or not, we have kind of like a plan, even working with the walleye to try to get this game to an established point where it's not specifically linked to a walleye game, that it's its own event. You know, I I know it's apples and oranges, but if you look at FDNY versus NYPD, they sell out Madison Square Garden, 15,000, 16,000 people. We're not going to get that in Toledo, but it'd be nice if we were able to get, you know, three to 4,000 people into our game.
0: Maybe there's some other incentive there at some point, and I don't mean something, something really corny or anything, but the thought, maybe this is what you're discussing. There are plenty of open weekends where you guys could be in there on a weekend night where you'd certainly get more of a crowd than maybe a Sunday afternoon. Right.
1: Yeah, that, And that's usually we always play on a Saturday. Excuse me. This year, uh, the way scheduling worked with the walleyes uh, schedule and everything else, it just kind of played that we had to play on a Sunday. And we've talked with them uh, when we went into meetings with the walleye and they've been great. They've been working with us great. And I have to always give them their props because our teams would not be where we're at now without this game and with the, without the help of the walleye. So, we're next year we're, we're we're taking it back to Saturday and we're gonna move it later in the season. I mean obviously with it being a charity event, around Christmas there's so many charity things going yeah. on with toy drives and anything else. It's just something more that the public could either think, oh, that's another so, charity event. So to move it further out, a, it, I think it benefits everybody.
2: It's a busy time of year. And right? a lot of times what we've run into in years past is our game on a Saturday fell on the same day as the Big Ten Championship. <laughs> and there's so many, you know, it's always Ohio State or Michigan the last four or five years. So people are like, uh, go to the, watch the firemen and police skate or stay at home and watch the Big Ten Championship or even go to it. So we're trying to get it to a date later on in the in the winter, February, March. Yeah. Um, so that there's really, you know, there's not that much more going on. Hopefully that will give some people, you know, a, a thing to do, do that with, Saturday night.
0: Do what the Huntington Center does. Put a country music singer on the ice while you're out there, and people yeah. will show up in droves. That's there you true. Go. <laughs> uh, obviously the most important part of this is the charities. Walk,
1: walk me through this. how is How did that, the charities initially get involved? Does it change every year? It's always been a charity event. Um, Our teams have always been formed for the purpose of benefiting charities. So it it just really works well with public service between fire and police. That You know, we're we're public service. We're always out there helping the general public. There's always been charities involved with our two unions.
0: Oh, I meant do the charities specifically change each year do they rotate or are there specific ones that you guys work with there,
1: we have specific, there's new ones that do come in um, but we do have specific ones that, that we do work with like the the Susan J. Coleman uh, American uh, Lung uh, American Heart, uh, and then we do, you know, obviously local charities as well as for, you know, like Martin Luther King Kitchen for the Poor, Cherry Street Mission Ministries, um, Northwest Ohio Arctic Wolves, which uh, they started coming on about five years ago. We started playing a game with them. They're, it's adaptive hockey, so sled hockey.
0: I watched one of those games a couple weeks ago. I've gotten kind of close. I've struck up a very fun friendship with Valerie Fatika from the city. And just like I want to come heckle Allison on Sunday, I, want, I went to heckle Valerie that night. The adaptive sports and what the wall I do with that is absolutely amazing.
1: Yes. Um, so there are two sled to hockey teams in town, and that so that's always really good. We work uh, with the Northwest Ohio Arctic Wolves. Um, they have a few kids that are actually on the national team. So when we play them every year in April, it's... Ugly for us to be on the ice, but it's fun, <laughs> you know. And they raise a ton of money off yeah. that. We'll sell out Tam shanners Ice Arena for that. Uh, it, so they come on about five years ago as one of the charities that we help out as well. So there are ones that come in, and but there's always, there's still a core group that's Got always it. been there. Yeah.
2: Essentially, for the fireside, the charitable donations go to Toledo Firefighters Local 92 charities. Goes into the charity fund through our union, and then. Based on needs, the charity uh, group, the, uh, the what's the word? The board. About, the board. Thank you. The board um, sits down, looks at needs throughout the city or throughout the the area, and then they disperse the money raised. Makes from sense. there.
0: Uh, are those the guys that we see out at that uh, streetlights and intersections sometimes with the boot,
2: fill the boot? Yep. Yeah, so they do. The That's one of our big, big. Obviously, MDA Muscular Dystrophy Association is a big. Uh, part of our charitable donations. And you'll see guys usually uh, in the late summer out at the intersections collecting for that. And actually Joe, myself, and a few other members of our team, as well as countless other Toledo firefighters and, and police officers and other local fire departments were out this past weekend collecting and selling papers for the old newsboys News Drive mm-hmm. or newspaper drive. And that money gets used to buy coats and and hats and winter clothing for youth that aren't privileged enough to have it.
0: Yeah, I've worked with them a couple of different times. A really good organization. Um, I asked you this a couple of years ago and I I look forward to to asking and getting the answer again. How do you get the players?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, actually, it's it's funny because it, before we actually had to kind of beg, borrow, and steal trying to find players. Uh, we're not all 100% Toledo firefighters. Uh, we have people that are Sylvania fire, uh, firefighters, Oregon firefighters, White House, Waterville. So and we wouldn't be able to field a team with just Toledo guys. So we actually, people would come to us and or we'd have to go to them. This year, we had enough people wanting to be a part of our organization now that we actually put a couple of meetings out, say, this is what we do. This is what's expected of you. If you want on board, you need to start showing up to this, this, this and this. There's so much, we basically have a criteria that you kind of have to make. You have to show up to so many tournaments, so many practices, all the stuff that we do off ice, our charitable events. You need to be there to help out with that. And sometimes that weeds people out, but generally the pe- we have people knocking on the door, hey, do you have any positions open? Do you have any positions open?
0: Uh, what, what does a schedule like that look like? Uh, not necessarily the community stuff, which is important, but like practice schedules and participation.
2: Uh, years past, it, it's kind of been a situation where we just kind of got together out at Tam for a public drop-in. We'd go out there and try to get some, some play in and get acclimated before we step on the ice for Battle of the Badges. This year, um, we've actually got a really good working relationship with uh, the Toledo Ice House, where uh, you know on on a Wednesday morning every single week for the last several months, they're kind enough to open their doors for us and let us go out there and practice. Uh, we actually just got off the ice today, had a practice. We had one last week, uh, really getting ready for this coming weekend. We'll all be on the ice uh, this coming Friday. So that's what it looks like this year. We're going to try to keep that going. Um, so guys are getting out there, trying to get their reps in.
1: You know, in years past, like the last time we had spoken in 2019, we were part of a league up in Woodhaven, a police firefighters league up in Woodhaven. And after COVID shut that down, that whole thing kind of dispersed. So we ended sure. up getting into what they call a twigs league which is, uh, that's just the company that runs the league over at Ice House on Sunday nights. So we're playing Sunday nights in a league and then our practices on Wednesdays, and now we've doubled up our practices uh, as we get closer to the game. Who's uh, who's the best player?
0: Who are you counting on to put the puck in the net or to shut down somebody at TPD? I'm going to give that one to Matt
1: Butler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matty Butler's... One of the he, he, St. John's coaches, very accomplished hockey player.
2: Yeah, he's a very good player. We do have several players that have played uh, collegiate club, junior, you know, played up through the travel ranks growing up. Um, our best player is an alumni now, but uh, Phil Rauch, who was a Toledo Walleye professional player for several seasons with the Walleye, actually became a firefighter for, for the city and was on the job for about two or three years. Uh, which the police hated. I mean, they, they should. As soon as they saw that we had a, a walleye player, that hey, they, no complaints because he's a firefighter. You can't, yes, he you is. You can't claim that we're trying to rig you or anything. But Phil actually took a position with uh, another company that just was much more lucrative for himself and his family. Which uh, Phil's a great guy. He still keeps in touch. But um, we do have a really good core group of guys that are well accomplished players ourselves. But it's kind of a nice thing with our group is we play in so many. Th- events throughout the season throughout the year once you get past the holidays we're essentially in a charity tournament somewhere every single month between january and june um so there's plenty of opportunity we have several people that picked up the game as adults so
0: if somebody wants to get involved or whether it's just come watch the games where can people get all the info
2: uh well we do have a, a pretty active facebook page uh, it's little fire hockey teams where you can find us on facebook and we try to you know keep information up to date on there um as far as kind of keeping tabs on what's going on with us, where we're playing, what we're doing. Um, to run you through our schedule real quick for the season, uh, we usually, um, in years past pre-COVID, we were always in Windsor, Ontario, for a charity tournament every January. Um, we've gone down to Orlando a couple times um, for a big tournament they have down there. Um, but currently, with uh, the border kind of being a mess the last several years, um, we are actually going to have a tournament Just a one-day, four- or five-team tournament at Ottawa Park in January. Um, And then you get into February, we go to Columbus. Uh, March, we go to Bay City, Michigan for the uh, Michigan State Troopers Copper Cup. Um, April is Cincinnati, the tournament Joe spoke about earlier that we were at last year.
1: Um, This is a big commitment. Yeah, Yeah. we do a lot. Yeah, May then we got the uh, New Stalker Toledo Police uh, Memorial Tournament that we play in May. And then usually in June, uh, just depends on what goes on. Some, uh, some we go out to Fort Wayne and play out there. Busy times. Yeah, a uh, little easier for you, Joe. You since you ret- retired, it is. Uh, it does free up a lot more time. But yeah, it's funny because not I don't think a lot of people understand the time commitment that goes into not just playing the game and going to tournaments and playing, but the stuff that Kyle and I have to put together. The administrative work is really heavy um between our merchandise sales and promotions and everything that we do i mean it's it's year round him and yeah. it, we're constantly all throughout the summer we're on the phone and we're talking or hanging out having ginger ales and t- okay what do we do for this we got the season coming up and starting in three months we got to get started now yeah. so it, it's it's a lot of work so yes being retired frees up a lot of that time i can see kyle uh
0: which house do you work out of I was Station 16 on Door Street. Can see working. Uh, the, the bell goes off, and you're like, "Can't make it, guys. I'm working on a trade here."
2: Yeah, yeah I wish it was that easy. But <laughs> duty calls, but yeah, we do. We do a lot of things. We do have a board from some other members that do help us out with several other uh, tasks that we have for big events, um, merchandise sales, creating new merchandise. I'm always coming up with new concepts because once you bought that T-shirt, well, you're not yeah. going to buy another one. So we or need to come up it, yeah. with something new next year. Um, but travel, you know, we have a member that takes care of um, establishing travel where we're going to stay when we go out of town. Um, so yeah, we do have a good group of guys that do help Joe and I out. But um, he and I are are pretty much the faces, if you will.
0: I believe it's 12 bucks. 12 o'clock on Sunday at the Huntington Center Correct. for a great cause.
1: There's, yeah, $12 for if you just want to battle all the badges, if you want to bet all the badges and the walleye game afterwards, that's a $25 ticket. $8 of either one of those goes straight to the charities. Awesome.
0: Last couple of questions, switch gears a little bit. Uh, what pulled you into retirement?
1: Uh, well, unfortunately the body just didn't want to hold up too much longer. I mean, numerous, uh, joint surgeries, brain aneurysms, uh, bowel problems that just blew apart. So just too many things that kept going on. And as even Kyle will keep, uh, can attest to this every single day, there's not a day goes by that I don't wake up and go, God, I wish I was still on an engine. Right. I I didn't want to go that way. Um, I wasn't ready, but I miss it dearly. And that's, it just wasn't The body was like, you're done. My brain still is going, no, you're not. But I I had to come to that conclusion that if one of my guys went down or my brothers or my sisters went down in a fire, I know for sure I would try to kill myself getting them out. Yeah. Yeah. But the chances of me getting them out anymore probably weren't there.
0: And then someone else loses a life, potentially. Correct. Uh, let me ask you this, um, and I'd like you to both answer. Joe, you first, since we last chatted in 2019, uh, we've gone through an entire pandemic. I know, asked uh, the chief this and some others as well. How has being a firefighter, how, I think I mentioned, Allison, the R is maybe now a bigger deal with TFRD than ever before. What's changed with the job?
1: Well, I think there's just a lot more awareness towards uh, the disease processes that are out there. Um, most people, when they see Toledo Fire, they think fire Fires. department, you know, and that and that's the, the the real fun, exciting part. But like you said, um, rescue EMS—that's 90% of the job, and I think that opened more people's eyes up to realize that. You're out the door mostly serving people that are really, really sick yeah. and in a pretty bad time of their day or life or whatever. So I think it kind of opened people's eyes up a little bit more and not just the general public, but even in government where they were starting to realize, hey, these guys are and gals are getting themselves exposed to the same stuff that's really getting other people sick or killing them. So I think it brought a little bit more awareness towards the rescue part of it, yeah. and a little, a lot more respect towards it as well. And you see it, it even in healthcare, where the nurses were getting are getting a lot more respect and realization of what they do. Doctors, nurses, and anybody in the healthcare frontline workers are getting that.
0: Yeah, it's it's truly been a hopefully once in a lifetime kind of thing. I keep calling these the transformational twenties, rather than what everybody else wanted because a global pandemic will do that. Right, now, Kyle, your perspective. How has the job changed from when you first
2: got in? Oh, uh, I've only been on for 13 years. Been a That's
0: lot. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, a lot's changed. If you're speaking s- strictly from the pandemic standpoint, at the beginning, no one knew what to expect. You know, yeah. we, we really didn't know. It was kind of just learning as you go. We were very, <clears throat> excuse me, being very cautious, uh, extra careful with um, our personal protective wear. I mean, for, when the first cases hit the area. Uh, when anyone had any type of symptoms that could be COVID related, we were literally going in and um, respirator masks and uh, level two or level B hazmat suits um, and going back to the station and showering and disinfecting every surface every single day after every single run, which isn't a bad thing to do anyways. We would always do um, clean our equipment after any patient, but it just it was a lot more tedious, a lot more specific um people were were worried you know yeah. there was a lot of people on the fire department um you know they have loved ones at home that had um pre-existing medical conditions or had some type of of issues that you know they're worried about bringing it home to their families you know my wife and I are both firefighters so you know we're looking at every single day bringing things home to our children or our our moms and dads um so that was a concern we had guys moving out of their their house essentially and staying in hotel rooms because they didn't want to bring germs home to their family i think we were very fortunate and we i think we did a very good job we had you know many 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 firefighters come down with with the virus as you know most of the population did yeah but we were very fortunate in the sense that we didn't lose anybody Um, there's countless First responders around the country, around the world, nurses and doctors that ended up contracting the virus and passing away. Yeah. So we do count our blessings in that sense. Um, the job, otherwise, there's been a lot of changes in the last 13 years. You know, unfortunately, through certain circumstances, um, losing our members in 2014 really, um, Steve Steve Machinsky and Jamie Dickman, uh, really. Caused us to take a look in the mirror as an organization as to how we function and how we can best prevent anything like that ever happening again. Unfortunately, it's it's part of the job. It's a very dangerous job. Yeah. But um, these these are situations that cause us to take a step back, learn, and try to prevent. Um, well,
0: thanks for doing what you do. Um, last question. Uh, I <clears throat> really appreciate the answer that I, I got from the chief about this. And I, I, the common one, I think, is uh, is make sure your smoke detector works. I asked her, what can you pass along that you'd like to tell the public more frequently so that there's a better relationship? And one thing she alerted me to was, you get a lot of calls about people who run out of medication and they have some kind of like weird panic attack and they wound up calling rescue. What's a little nugget like that where you can have a better relationship or be more helpful to people in the community?
1: i I'll would get that one to Kyle because he's, uh, <laughs> they've changed stuff. I mean, I've only been gone for uh, 18 months and when I was on, I, we had different, uh, we had, uh, was it 611? There uh, was a phone number that you could call. Uh, we, we put in a paramedicine program so uh, paramedics would actually go and help those people that weren't actually emergent, but they they were sick or had a panic attack or had ongoing health issues that needed care, but couldn't get to a doctor. So our paramedics would go out in this paramedics, uh, paramedicine program and take care of those people. And then, uh, our PIO officer, uh, who, you know, very well, Sterling Ray, um, he was able to implement different types of organizations in, um, programs to get people connected to the resources they need instead of having to call 911 yeah. all the time and, and that's a very understandable thing I'm in trouble 911 mm-hmm. and that that's a very good thing but there's just instances where it's not emergent and it's taking away from other crews yeah so those programs that uh, chief Armstrongs still working very heavy and instituting even more as of right now um, to put people into the contact with those resources that they need to help them in their everyday life and medications and anything going on with that.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of people, if they had the opportunity to to come in and ride a, a, a fire truck or an engine or an ambulance for 24 hours, they'd be astonished at the things that we get called for. Um, like any job almost. Yeah, probably. But specifically, I think most people think that, you know, you call nine one one when someone's dying, hmm. which people do. And that's what we're there for. But we've been called to, you know, help someone turn off their water, help someone yeah. um, shovel their sidewalks. You know, we really are the, 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 the people that the community relies heavily upon to, to solve problems. Us and the police department, you have a problem. We're always looked at as problem solvers. Um, So to be totally cliche, but it's true, things I would tell the community is, check your smoke detectors. When you hear that little chirp chirp every once in a while in your house, it means your smoke detector needs a battery. We saw it very recently um, in East Toledo where a family was saved by their smoke detectors going off and their house is a total loss. It was a family of four, four to six people, I forget how many, but they literally escaped with their lives because the firefighters had been at their house within the past month or two for a a smaller fire. Notice they didn't have smoke detectors, gave them smoke detectors, and unfortunately, lo and behold, they had another fire, which their house burned up, and they were able to escape because of the smoke detectors. So check your smoke detectors. Every single Toledo fire station has smoke detectors on hand. If you don't have them, go to your local fire station, ask for smoke detectors. We will always give them to you. Secondly, it it sounds... Like you, everyone should know this and we all do, but if you're going to have an adult beverage, <laughs> don't get behind the wheel. Yeah. It, I, it's, it's funny. And I'm look at Joe and it's look It's a thousand at me,
0: percent preventable. It, yes. it
2: is. And I'm not going to sit here and say I'm an angel because we've all had a couple beers and driven home. Don't do it. You know, when you've had too many, don't get behind the wheel because not only you're looking at causing harm to yourself, but you're looking at causing harm potentially to somebody else. And that's it's terrible. It happens all the time. It is one of
0: my my absolute pet peeves because it's it's a hundred percent preventable and even more now so. I had all these wild ideas when we were younger like can't the bar breathalyze me or some nonsense like that. And I know it's it's kinda helter skelter right now, but there's no excuse anymore because there are there are Ubers, there's Lyfts, there's Correct. black and white. It, it there's no excuse anymore. You're absolutely right. And it's it's preventable. I know we've had some recently. It's, I've seen some of the police videos. It's awful. and I, right. and I Again,
1: don't let pride get in the right. way. A lot of the tragedies that do happen within not just this city or any community, I mean nationwide, worldwide, I would say probably – I'm just throwing numbers out sure. here. Uh, I would say probably 90% of them are preventable, either by common sense, not drinking and driving, or having smoke detectors, or a – working charge, fire extinguisher, anything like that. There, I mean, there's so many th- things that happen, tragedies that can be averted with just taking that extra little bit of time and thinking it through a little bit.
0: Nobody likes hearing that damn chirp anyway. It's annoying as hell. Right. <laughs> I just want to hit
2: one more thing. Please. This is suicide prevention, especially in the male... Uh, I, uh, People me. that
0: look like you guys yeah, and at your age. In,
2: in the males, I think a lot of times we don't want to ask for help. We feel weak. We feel disgraced. We, we don't want to open up to somebody. If you're someone who's struggling with anything, any type of, of issues mentally where you're having thoughts of harming yourself or anyone else, talk to somebody. Doesn't It doesn't need to be anything to be ashamed of at all. Because unfortunately we see a lot of that too. Um, and it, 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 call, it wears they, on you.
0: Call them and they've, skyrocketed for obvious reasons they're called deaths of despair and uh we are i've i've aged into the target demo i'm 43 how old are you kyle i'm 34 you'll get there yeah you're married right i'm married like middle-aged often unmarried white men who have access
1: are the ones that are the the leading people for deaths of despair yeah uh it's you know, we see it especially a lot on our job between us and police and even in the, the healthcare field, you know, nursing homes, nurses, doctors. You're dealing with people that are in very desperate times. Mm-hmm. They're going through some of the roughest things. And there's no way you cannot bring a little bit of that home with you somewhere. And by packing it away, packing it away because it's the machismo thing to do is not all that. It's not a good idea. You, if it's bothering you, no matter what it is, if you know you see something, you know that just bothers you, it, it will keep bothering you, and it's going to get worse. Talk to somebody and save it off. There's been numerous times in in the history of my career and Kyle's career and, and countless other fires, firefighters and police officers, where we've just seen and dealt with some bad stuff, but we we're lucky enough that we have those avenues to go get help and talk to people. I've used it numerous times. I know a lot of our friends on the job have used it numerous times. It's there. Those uh, avenues are out there. Use them. Don't yeah. be ashamed. Yeah, there's resources.
0: What what with, not that this is the podcast where all firefighters and, uh, and, and first responders come to, but people that do listen and otherwise can pass it along because I don't know. Let's say, Kyle, you have something. Who within the department can you go to? Because I know there might be another Kyle who doesn't want to, who fears any kind of retribution, who do you go to to talk to to get that genuine help?
2: Yeah, we do have um, a resource officer that um, you can call and talk to. And it doesn't have to be, you know, ill thoughts about harming yourself. It can just be something as simple as, like, I'm having a hard time at home with my marriage. Um, You know, I'm having issues getting along with my kids. Um, But they put us in touch with um, outside resources, That we can go and then seek help, seek some guidance. Um, It's a very, very useful um, program to have at our disposal. And so if there is anyone else out there, I'm sure most, if not all places that you work in your occupation can put you in touch with someone that can help you.
0: More and more places I've gotten familiar with EAPs, Employee right. Assistance and that, Programs. And that's
1: what we have with the uh, city of Toledo EAP. And the good thing about uh, Toledo's EAP system is it's not just exclusive to the Toledo Fire Department. Um, there's been numerous times where Sylvania runs into problems. You know, out to Waterville, White House, Providence, Township. and They will call our EAP officers and they will actually go out and do a debriefing and then get people into the help that they need if they need it.
0: We're, uh, we're getting lengthy here, but that's okay because this is an important topic. I don't know how well you guys know me but th- this is this is my thing mental health advocacy and i'm glad that you guys are talking about it because you guys are one of the places that people stereotypically know is very hard to penetrate for the reasons you've just illustrated so the more you talk about it the more likely are the more likely people are to come forward and and most of all save lives if not theirs like you talked about something will set you off and as i always know in myself the big it's never somebody cutting you off it's a little thing right and that, that will set the nuclear bomb off.
1: I, I had had uh, one of the uh, people that was in the EAP department uh, was talking to me at one time, and he, he kind of he put it into a really good thing. Your bot, your mind is a, a file cabinet. And every time something bothers you, you see something very disturbing. You go through a very traumatic time, even though you don't show it. And you it may not bother you right now, but that goes into a file cabinet. Yeah. And it just keeps filing away. Sooner or later, the file cabinet's going to get full. Mm-hmm. And when it gets full, it's going to come out. Yeah. So your best bet is to deal with that before the cabinet's full and when it comes out. Because when it comes out, it's usually not that good. No, <laughs> a lot of times we're sorry to cut you off. No, it, me too.
0: To your point, it's, and just say this real fast and come back then you will get behind the wheel.
2: Correct. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, I was gonna say, a lot of times, you know, divorce is very prominent in our occupation. Uh, alcoholism is very prominent. Even, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, put to public and worry that, you know, you have a bunch of uh, people that shouldn't be in fire engines, but, you know, drug use. And it's not, I'm not saying specifically to the Toledo Fire Department, but the industry, the as, industry a as a whole. Yeah, I mean, we are human beings and we see a lot of trauma. Um, in other people's lives that we take home in our minds and some people look to you know places to find comfort or to forget these things and sometimes it's um, ways that aren't always uh, the most constructive. That's something that our hockey team is an outlet for. Sure. Um, not only are we out there raising money for the charities and and having a good time with each other, but it's it's an avenue for us to get together outside of the firehouse be able to expel a little bit of frustration, some pent-up energy. And it's it's a healthy outlet for us to come together and maybe get some of this stuff out of our system.
0: Until the gloves drop. Then we got to pull somebody aside, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Um, I want to wrap this up, but I want to go backwards. And thank you so much for talking about this. If you ever need mental health access or places that I can direct you towards or want to donate to charities, whatever, I'm, I'm very happy to help. That's that's where I, that's my currency. Okay. To go back to the lighter part, you gave me the answer that I was looking for. One of those little teeny tiny things that we overlook. I know I need to have a smoke detector. Do so you know you can get it free from the fire department? It's like one of those little things.
2: Yeah, Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Every fire station should have smoke detectors on hand, and if they don't, because we do run out, um, we get them shipped in from uh, from headquarters You know, throughout the week or the month, and sometimes we run out. If you don't have them, we'll direct you to another fire station close by. We'll call them. Hey, you have smoke detectors. I have somebody here that needs them. We'll point you in that direction so you can go get some. Um, a lot of times... It's a routine thing that I do, and I know many others do. We go into a house. We hear the chirp going off. They need a detector. We go out to our rig because we carry them around in our rig with us, and we'll bring them inside and give you a smoke detector, or we'll even put it up for you if, you know, especially someone that doesn't have the physical capacity to do so themselves. We'll put it up for you because the last thing we want is to come to a house. We heard the chirp. And then two days later, we went to that house, and you know there's a fire, and someone gets hurt. Yeah. So we, it, unfortunately, the fire service and the police service, a lot of times, we're we're a very reactionary, yeah, um, oriented industry, um, and we those are one of those small things that we can do to be proactive, and preventative.
0: It's like the the old, very old cliche of an an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of care. It's Mm. applicable to so much. Um, Kyle, Joe, Joe, good to see you again. Good to see Um, you. Thank you for coming by. I'm going to say, before I say good luck, how much good do I have to put behind that for the game on Saturday or Sunday? Are we going to need some magic here for a win? I
1: don't think so. Uh, okay. to, uh, I'll be honest, you know, Toledo police, uh, I'm not going to sell them short. They are, they got, they're a strong squad and they're very uh, good skaters. They run great systems. Uh, we've been running the same. We've been practicing. So I think we're pretty well on the even side with it this year.
2: Yeah, we're ready to go for sure. And we can't really do much more preparation than what we've already done. Um, I just would like to encourage anybody out there. If you're looking for something to do on Sunday afternoon, um, 12 p.m. Huntington Center tickets are available day of at the door. You go to the box office that day. Bring the kids down, have a good time, and mm-hmm. uh, we hope to see as many of you there. You as we introduce can. your
1: kids to us, so we love to talk to kids. So bring them down and get them around the fire and the police and see some of your uh, local. Lo- as Some people want to call them local heroes. Or you are. Or, <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. but uh, you, you, you are. Know. You're saving lives. It's I appreciate Superhero that, star. Clark. I appreciate that, Clark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, get, just uh, come down and introduce yourselves and uh, talk to us and uh, have a good time.